This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 608. And the quote of the day is, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 608, and I am super, super excited about this episode with Nir Z. And Nir had a very big impact on my playing, on my thought about particular types of music and my approach to playing. And, uh, and I, and I talked to him about it in, in this conversation. So I've been waiting a long time to have a conversation with near dating back to 2001 when I first heard him on John Mayer's room for squares. So it's been a long time coming and I'm really ecstatic that I got him on the podcast and also big thanks to my man, Rich Redmond for connecting us. I appreciate you, buddy. I love you, man. And big thanks to obviously to near for taking the time to chat and for those of you who don't know about Nir, I mean, he's played with everyone. He 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 was born in Israel, came over here. He played with Genesis, with John Mayer. Uh, he does a ton of session work with a slew of artists. Just look him up. He's worked with everyone. And uh, I don't think that he needs much of an introduction. But uh, again, I'm very excited about this because he, he had such a profound on my playing at a young age. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with Nir Z. Nier, what's happening, my man? I'm good, my brother. I'm good. I'm uh, another day, another week, I, another day, another month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? it's been uh, it's been it's been some some trying uh, trying times for everyone. I know, uh, particularly for you. You were just saying off air that you're trying to get into do. You've been trying to get in to do a recording session a few times that's been canceled because of uh, because of COVID. But it's yes. I, I love the yeah. fact that you're I wish everyone could see this because this you have this beautiful sonar kit behind you. And cool, cool. Yeah, it's a, actually I'm proud of this one. That's a one one of a kind, but it is that's that's a concert toms vintage. I was series. just gonna say, is that is that concert toms? Yeah, it's all concert toms. Yeah. That's amazing. It's a, I mean yeah. I'm looking at it I'm I'm looking at the kit behind you and I'm I'm drooling because it's a, it's, it's an amazing kit. Yeah. Um it's uh, it's know, a lot of fun this one definitely. It 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 looks like it is. It it's, yeah. uh, it looks like it sings. Uh actually the last record that I cut uh I recorded on a on a sonar kit so. Awesome. Which uh yeah. which one? It was my what, it was what? it was my record. It was a solo record that I did. Awesome. And what yeah. did, what series did you use? What uh, Sono kit you played? May, you I you know what it was it was uh, the the gentleman's name who owns the studio. His name's Glenn Farricone, uh great drummer, a mentor of mine, and he had this kit in the studio, and it was old. It's an old Sonar kit. I don't so even, even know better. what series it was. Yeah. yeah, even better. And it was and it was kind of like a Frankenstein kit. Like the bass drum didn't you know we didn't have a head on the bass drum. Mm. Uh, you know, like there was, I think two of the toms were different and everything. It sounded amazing, but it was definitely like a Frankenstein sonar kit. That's awesome. That's all but, matters. That's all yeah. matters. Sounds great. Sounds great. Sounds great. Sounds great. I, that's that's yeah. the motto, right? Yeah. Um, 
you know, this is this having a conversation with you is is really interesting for me because the first the I maybe not maybe I mean the first to my knowledge the first thing I ever heard of your playing was on John Mayer's record on the Room for Squares record and yeah. the thing that that really sticks out in my mind about that is that came out in 2001. I graduated high school in 1999. I started playing drums in 1997. And when I started playing drums, I was listening to I was listening to hip hop, I was listening to fish, I was listening to um some jazz and things like that and I was 100% anti-pop. Like what I was I did I, I was like I hated pop music. I didn't want anything to do with pop music and everything. And when I heard that record, it made me realize that there's good pop music as dumb as that sounds and i immediately no, was like who played drum and i was like immediately who played drums on this record mm. um so i credit you for for changing the narrative in my head about about that's awesome i appreciate that but you know yeah. i mean i just played the drums i mean i did not write the songs <laughs> right right you know i uh, gotta give the credit to the artists who wrote the songs and wrote really good pop songs because mm -hmm. you know i totally i totally relate because i think when trying to recall as a teenager exactly like you described mm -hmm. we into we into jazz we into progressive music and and uh, uh sophisticated music if you like you know we always want to challenge ourselves and we kind of look at the pop scene as a oh this is so boring you know this is just mm -hmm. a, you know you play the same backbeat over and over again but as you grow up and you start to appreciate good songs and good music timeless songs and as you keep playing your instrument, you realize that, you know, like we always said, you know, less is more. And the more you practice, the less is more kind of approach, you become uh, a bigger challenge, actually, than playing too many notes, <laughs> uh, right. you, you, you know, in a piece of music. Not that there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a different animal. Mm -hmm. just a different yeah. approach it's a it's a different mindset you know mm -hmm. um so how can i go ahead and play something that it's pretty simple but makes it how can i make it interesting and groovy and and make it just makes it feel good you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think this what this record what it's all about you know it just it just feels good yeah it does how do you how do you start to go down that road to heart? How do you start to develop that skill set of like you said, less is more, but also maintaining artistic expression, making it feel good, not going in with the idea of just sort of beats and and you know numbers on a page? Right. You know, I think part of it, a big part of it, it just was the reality and the circumstances back in New York when I lived in New York. Mm -hmm. I moved to New York in the early 90s. And like right. any other musician, I, you just want to go out and play with great musicians. You want to jam, you want to experiment, you want to just play. Right. Now, because of the environment and the circumstances, you realize pretty quickly there is no way you can travel around town with a five-piece or four-piece drum set. 
it's simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's horrible enough carrying a, some symbols and a, and a, uh, and a snare drum and some sticks on the subway. So, so believe it or not, I mean, very quickly I end up, and this has a big part of it. This is something I recommend to any drummer out there. If you do have the environment to create that, and it's very simple. Because I end up, I went up, I went to 48th Street and I bought an 18-inch bass drum. Okay, I find this mm-hmm. single end 18-inch bass drum, and I find this piccolo, this 13-inch piccolo snare drum. Right. The reason is because I put the 18-inch bass drum in a beetle bag, and I could actually squeeze the snare drum in there. <laughs> right. And guess what? On top, I squeeze a 13-inch hi-hat and just an 18-inch cymbal, like a ride crash kind of cymbal. Right. And all in one bit of back. And then I had another handbag with light hardware, just a snare stand, hi-hat stand, a pedal, Mm -hmm. and a stool. So long story short, here I am. I travel around town. This is how I play gigs. Right. I had a kick drum, snare drum, hi-hat, and a cymbal. Sometime a cowbell. Right. And it was really scary at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but it really forced you to, okay, this is your instrument. Those are the, <laughs> you know, you have those four tones going on. Bass drum, snare, hat, cymbal, and make the best out of it. You're going to play a whole set. This is what you have. This is what you got. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's not something you think about. You just, as you play, you play with people, you play songs, you jam. This is your instrument. Right. You get the best right. out of it. Yeah. You know? I was in so a band automat- for a long time that I did that where I was like, I, I, I was overplaying. So I just stripped everything out, played kick, snare, hi-hat. But that was my band, right? So I could kind of do it. I was like, I could play, you know, right. I could play a basketball if I wanted to. And, and right. no one would say anything. But right. for you... Like that take uh, to me, that takes a lot more courage to just go out in New York and just be like, look, here's what it is. I'm just going to play with this and, and make it work. And to be honest, first of all, I'm not the first one to do that. I cannot take right. the credit because I've, I've seen some guys doing it. And one of my dearest friends that you should talk to him, by the way, I mean, because he's one of my favorite people and favorite drummers, Stephen Wolf. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've had, I'm, Wolf, and, Wolf and I are buddies. Yeah. So you know Wolf. Yeah. And Wolf been doing this for a long time, the same configuration, and a few other cats in New York. Um, and it's not about the, the courage or anything like that. It was all about to be able to move from point A to point B. And if you're <laughs> right. standing on the street, I'm trying to, take a, I'm trying to get a cab at 2 a.m., Yeah, you know, the, the, the guy won't stop if he sees you standing on the sidewalk with like five cases. Yeah. You know, so here yeah. I had that one beetle bag of my shoulder with an 18-inch bass drum and another yeah. handbag, and that's it. So I could actually jump in, move to the next place, and believe it or not, most of the musicians appreciated that. They liked that. You know, mm. they, they kind of, oh, I, I like the idea. I have a drummer who just plays in the pocket and groove 
and doesn't go crazy on me, you know, with too many toms and symbols. Uh, right. So in a way, it kind of worked to my advantage, I would think, you know, because mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. just, um, and it's a great, it, it's a great experience, you know, because again, we're going back to less is more. And here you go. Yeah. You have much less. Make yeah. it happen. For, it's like forced creativity, right? Of course. I mean, you, ha- you have to, if, you're going to have to figure out different sonic choices on the hi-hat and, and on the snare and, and realize that, because I think that we, I, I don't want to speak for everyone, but also maybe I'll just speak for myself, that for, for a long time, you just think that you get one sound out of each drum right you get this drum snare this sound out of the snare drum you get this sound out of the hi-hat and all that stuff and then once you take all the other things away you start to realize oh there's hundreds of sounds oh my god of of course and and, you know that's a great point because once you take everything else you strip down the drum set and you basically got this one drum that you play with both drumsticks on it which is mainly the snare drum Mm -hmm. you start digging in without even thinking about it you start to realize and really understand the, the the i mean the surface of the drum allowed you to create so many different sounds and because it's the only drum you have in front of you pretty much right <laughs> you right. start experiment you know yeah and doesn't care i mean if you if you use the rim of the drum the shell of the drum you know you hit the bass drum with the stick here and there so mm-hmm. It's just a different approach, and I think it did something really uh, for for my. I can speak for myself. It it was a very important journey. Being stuck mm-hmm. in these circumstances, meaning right. this is all you got, you know. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I've seen guys on the streets in New York didn't have a bass drum even; they just had an, I mean, hi hat and snare drum, and you close your eyes and you hear the entire drum set. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, so it's really not right or wrong. It's just there to, to kind of do it and experiment with it. You mm-hmm. know, if you can set up a kit like that in your room, just an extra kit, and here and there sit, sit behind those three instruments and just experiment with that and play along with music and try to make it happen i think it's a wonderful exercise actually i yeah. think it's more important than sitting down and exercise rudiments you mm-hmm. know? And i'm actually thinking now <clears throat> excuse me you could do it the opposite too you could set up you know a, a rack tom and a floor tom and a snare and have no hi-hat and no rock and you know and, and anything sort of like anything. figure out some creativity that way yeah. as well you know uh, i agree uh, i mean sky's the limit you know it's kind of because we, we, in a way, we kind of stuck in these rules where, okay, this is the instrument. Mm-hmm. Those, this is the configuration. All those ingredients must be there in order for me to make this dish, you know? So, <laughs> right. Right. Uh, hey, you know what? You don't have a hi-hat. You mm-hmm. broke your bass drum pedal. What are you going to do? You, you, you'll have to continue. You'll yeah. have to keep playing. You know, you have to so figure something out. <laughs> you got to figure something out, exactly. Right. Why do you think that we have this tendency to overplay and and sort of we have all these these drums and cymbals and everything, and we always feel the need that we have to hit them all or 
is it do you think it's just human nature and it's because it's there we want to hit it uh, that's a great question you know and that's related uh, believe it or not i experienced that yesterday we were in the studio the last song producer was very clear said near on this one all i need is just few swells symbols in the right spot mm -hmm. and man we are six musicians playing at the same time okay so right. you remember the old joke with the guy who plays the triangle in the orchestra <laughs> yeah. and by the time he gets to he kind of he falls to sleep <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i know it sounds crazy this one this this last song we played yesterday at the studio in a way was the most challenging one for me because here i am i'm looking at the chart and i'm reading like 32 bars just <laughs> of listening rest. <laughs> yeah. of rest for me anyway but right. you know you hit this moment that you need this build you need this perfect swells symbol swells to to kind of build into the next section mm -hmm. and it, it it was um it really amazed me that the lack of concentration you need you know not to lose this zone like even if you're not playing you need to stay in it you need to still mm -hmm. feel part of it and because i, I guess you're technically you're tech like even though you're not playing you're technically still playing right it's exactly it yeah as exactly. like as, as like weird and like esoteric as that sounds like and it really yeah. answer your question because I'm sitting behind the drum kit and I got all those toms and cymbals <laughs> and we we in Ocean Way, Nashville. It's a great, wonderful sounding studio. Right. And I got all those sounds available <laughs> for me, really. You know what I mean? And you're like, are you sure you don't need a drum beat here or something? A, or anything. And by the way, I, I gotta get it was very easy to go this way. You know, it's right. one of those songs. Um it was Blake Shelton record. I mean, one of Blake mm -hmm. Shelton's new new songs. We could easily go into this powerhouse ballad, you know, all right, let's bring the beat, let's bring the drums and all that. Right. And actually, it's much easier in a way when you have the freedom to, hey, just go ahead and play it all versus sitting behind is you know those drums and just right. be very 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 picky you know there's only a mm -hmm. few spots that you allowed to play something and therefore it become much bigger challenge i think as a player to once you get there make sure once you play it it's the right note and it's the right feel and it's the right sound and all that mm -hmm. you know? yeah yeah i you know i mean everyone says it and, and we i can say it on the podcast until i'm blue in the face but playing playing less playing slower you know that that is way harder and to me way more impressive than than like playing every single note that you can possibly fit into a measure it just 
I don't know. And may, I, may, you know, to each his own, but I, to me, I think it's, it's way harder to play it 50 beats a minute and play a nice groove. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And it does happen to us as we grow up as, you know, because I think that I can speak for myself and some of my drummerous friends and colleagues that I love and I respect. And when we just talk about it, the more you step away from the drum kit, just being the drummer and just listening to the drum and you train yourself to listen to the big picture, mm -hmm. you, you realize, you know, what a challenge it is because yeah, we, because when you play many notes, uh, you know, it's actually very comfortable on your, on your body because yeah. you just keep putting things out there, you know, you keep hitting things, you know, and you fill up all the gaps. Um, and I totally agree. It's, this is maturity. This is what we talk about when we're talking about musical experience and being a mature musician be able to become part of the group, part of the ensemble, versus just thinking drums. I just right. want to play as much as I can. And I'm sure you've heard it, heard it before, but it's the truth, you mm -hmm. know? It's just the nature of this instrument. The thing that's always interested me is that, is the intangible of, you can't teach someone how to be part of the ensemble you can't teach people really how to think musically or how to play musically uh no. we can sit down and look at rudiments and all that kind of stuff and figure out the tactical the tactical things but like it's always it this is that's like one of the biggest things that i've always had with this podcast is like how do you how do you break down that barrier and help people get to that faster of of really understanding the musicality side of things and and playing for the song and serving the song instead of just playing notes i i think you should divide it and this is just my own personal opinion the way i treat uh, rudiments and you know technique and i'm not saying i mean practice as much as you can obviously having the technique the chops the coordinations mm -hmm. this is this is tools this is your tool it's all meant to be there for you so you can execute your, your, your ideas in real time. Right. Okay? And it has nothing to do with being musical because the way I look at it, it's just like you play with people. You play, you play a song. You should respond to the song. You should not just respond to the metronome and the timing of the song and try to use the rudiments that somebody told you a week ago or something you've been practicing forever, you know, in, in your own studio. Mm -hmm. It's it's just two different things. So just remember, this is your tools and this is your ears. It's just another, uh, it's another factor in this right. whole thing that you know being a musician it all comes down to your ears and how right. you respond to what you listen to mm -hmm. 
when you're saying that about about tools, I'm just thinking of someone that's like, oh, I know how to hammer all these nails and I know how to cut all of this wood. And it's like, okay, great. But now you have to build a house with this. Now that's exactly to, it. You know what? That's as you were saying that, I was thinking like someone yeah, just running no, that's, down that's, and hammering nails. You know what? That's great. But I think that's a, that's a great example. That's a great example. I mean, you can have all the tools in the world. I mean, right. you can buy the entire Home Depot. <laughs> you know, the yeah. question, do you know how to use those tools and how to build this house? Yeah. I think yeah. that we believe that we need more tools instead of getting really good at the tools that we have. This is an excuse for me. Yeah. And this is going back, this is going back to the bass drum snare hi-hat drum set right because at the end of the day i i truly believe if you cannot make it happen if this is all you have and you cannot make it happen you really need to go back into practicing your ears i'm not even talking your 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 techniques and rudiments and stuff right. like that you know it's just re or question your own uh, listening approach when you play with other people mm -hmm. you know because uh, again there is no excuse you need right. to be i truly believe as if we're talking a drum set a drummer should be able to make it happen with those three instruments right and if you can't, you don't need another symbol. That's not no, going to get you. The, it's not going to get you there. No, the extra symbol, extra tone, extra whatever sound, it's not going to make any difference. This right. is from, this is my own opinion. Sure. Uh, you know, of course, extra, extra tone, extra symbols, whatever can be a lot of fun, and you can be very creative with it. But when we're talking about keeping the band together and glue the band together and groove. It's all you need, really. Right, right. And you I, know. you know, it's it's when when we're sitting here talking about this, I'm thinking, I'm not saying this about just the people listening. I'm talking about myself too, because I know that I've been in situations where I'll think, oh, I want to start recording more videos, but I need a new camera. You know, like that's going to do something that's going to, or, you know, I really want to get, you know, I, I really need to be practicing more. So it's like, oh, maybe, I, maybe I, oh, I need another snare drum because that, that'll make me feel better when I practice or something like that. I mean, you're like, absolutely right. You're so right on it because we always, and I think this is something we all bottle, we all fighting mm -hmm. this. It's an excuse. Okay, because, oh, man, I like you said, I need another video camera. I need another camera angle. But right. let's be honest. If you shoot a video, a clip, even with your iPhone, but your performance is amazing, who cares? Yeah. You, I, you, you know, you I, know what I mean? It's like, who cares? And, and I'm with you on that. We all have this... Uh, moments where we just give ourselves a break, if you like. Yeah. You know, oh, if I had this microphone, if I had this video camera, if I had this, if I had that. No, make it happen with what you got. Yeah. Yeah. Because and I we, and I love it. Be, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. And just be, and and therefore, this is why every time we're going back 
and you look at some of those great classic old movies or you listen to those great old records, which are timeless, man, mm -hmm. they had so much less than us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so far much less, less far yeah. less. You know? Some of them weren't even recording on, you know, they didn't have multi-track multi recording or, you know, it's like they nothing, nothing, a couple of microphones. Exactly. Nothing. And, 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 and guess what? Here we are, you and I, 2021, and we're still going to listen to those records and appreciate them. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because it makes you feel good because the performance was undeniable. The music was undeniable. The yep. song was undeniable. You yeah. Know? Yep. So... I mean, do you, you know, I think about it. Would I, would I love to watch 10 minutes of Steve Jordan playing drums shot on an iPhone? I'm like, I don't care what you shoot it with. Of I don't course. care what angle. I don't care if the, if you, if the, the camera's laying on the ground and all I can see is his left foot. I don't care. It doesn't I'm, matter. I'm with you 100%. I mean, when we <laughs> yeah. watch, when you watch the great, uh, another example, Steve Gadd sitting putting a, a two-inch tape machine tape on his knees and playing brushes on yeah. this box. It's mesmerizing. Yeah, it's just a box. It's just a, it can be anything. Yeah. It could be a shoebox. Yeah. But when he plays it, it's like, okay. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. And and I think it's important to to point out, too, that we're – we're talking about this both in the literal sense and the figurative sense, meaning you don't need a new cymbal or a new snare drum or new whatever, whatever. But on but on the other side, you don't need to you don't need a new lick or you don't need you know uh, uh, to to maybe like you don't need a new pattern or anything like that. You got to get you got to get good with the things that you already have. And you got to get good things. Yes, yeah, yes, I agree. And it reminds me of uh, someone said that the magic that you're looking for is on the other side of the work that you're avoiding. That's a good one. Yeah. Which I loved. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And, and remember, remember, and I'm sure you experienced that as well. Sometimes you need to let it happen because I know it ha happened to me when you play with a group of people and Something can happen in real time, a musical moment that triggers something in you that you were not aware even that you have it in you, meaning like a lick or a pattern or a feel that you would never play unless you've been influenced by this very person who just played the guitar next to you and the bass player who respond to him at the same time. It's mm -hmm. just those things that happen in a moment where it, it, it's, it's just undeniable special moments that you can never come up with it by yourself. You need this interaction with people right. in order to create that, mm -hmm. you know? And many times you can listen back. This is this is what it when it ha really hits you when you listen back and like, oh my god, where this came from? I never played this before, but it really happened because he played those notes and he played those notes at the same time, mm -hmm. and and this just thing happened. And here we go. We just created something new, and I find something new about myself. Yeah, 
you, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, man, there's so many scenarios uh, that that just keep your mind open, and you're gonna find yourself in different scenarios that going to teach you about your own self as a musician, things that you could never find out about if you just stick all alone in your own studio and just practice rudiments all day long. Yeah. Yeah, that interaction is key. Interaction with people, you know. Mm-hmm. What do you typically focus on? Say you walk into a session or or you, you're sitting with a band or something like that. How or what are you listening to to inform what you're going to play in terms of serving the music instead of just sitting down and playing a beat? It's a combination. It's a, it's a good question. It's a combination. You know, in my case, because I do uh, a lot of the, since I moved to Nashville, a lot of the mainstream recordings, which it's all about the song, really. Mm-hmm. This is rule number one. It's all about the song. So, I mean, we always listen to the demo of the song. I listen to the song. I always want to know what the song is all about. And I listen to the vocals. This is the first thing I'm listening to mm-hmm. before I actually respond and start playing. The, the voice, who is singing the song? What is the story? What is the vibe? You know, to me, that's the number one rule. I know it sounds, for some drummers out there, it sounds kind of weird, but, you know, I'm, I'm okay not hearing the bass player, but hear the vocals. Then Interesting. The and the other way around. Interesting. You know, is for is that for because you you want to catch how that melody is going, or is it to sort of everything accent everything. particular words that are coming out, or both? Everything. It's yeah. everything. It's the story of the song. It's the it's the phrasing of the singer. It's the tone of the singer. You, you, you know. Yeah. It's. Uh, because to me, it's like you, you, you there, you, you here to support. I'm here to support the voice, to support the song. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. the voice, it's the number one thing. It's the most important thing that I will be paying attention to. Okay, find my own zone, find a, the sweet spot where it actually complement the song, the singer. And they're all ensemble, right? You know? uh, therefore, I mean, of course, you have a producer and other musicians, and there is interaction and vision and ideas and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but pay attention to the singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay attention to the phrasing. Pay attention to the lyrics. Pay attention to everything involved in this song. Is a song, right? Right. That's my approach, anyway. You know, what was, what do you think was the biggest learning, learning experience for you? Like, what you know, I'm, I'm as you're telling me all this stuff, I'm wondering, did you learn this over time? Was it, was it a reflection of sort of what you were listening to when you were younger, growing up in Israel? Like the what, like what kind of music were you listening to when you were younger? At first, it's a combination of everything. You just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Israel. I was listening to lots of. Also, I come from the world music 
world, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up in, it's in the Middle East area. So you get exposed to a lot of authentic rhythms. And it's all Africa, pretty much, you know. It's, right. a, very, it's a very authentic and a very uh, uh, specific feel, if you like. And I always love songs. So I think from a very young age, I would just be, I would be sitting on the bed with a pair of drumsticks and play along with the radio, you know? And mm -hmm. over there, we were exposed mostly for music who came from Europe. Mm -hmm. Okay, some of the bands who came from Europe before we get the music that came from the States. Got you. You, 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 you know what I mean? Even though, yes, my mother loved to listen to Elvis Presley, mm -hmm. you know? So if she listened to Elvis Presley, you know, I'd be sitting on my bed with a pair of sticks or whatever. I'd just be, I would be playing alone. Right. You, you know, but I it always, always love interests songs. Me. It always interests me how other countries listen to American music, mm -hmm. but in the United States, we don't really listen to any other music that's not in English. That's that's such a great point, my friend. And and I think I well, think it doesn't make I any think sense a lot of people no, I mean it doesn't make any sense to me just because just because of the fact that you lose a lot of great stuff. There is a lot of great music out there. Yeah. That you miss. <laughs> you yeah. know? I listen to music from all over the planet. Right. I don't care about what language this is. I don't care anything. I mean, if it touches me and it makes me feel good, I love, I think it's such an amazing uh, experience, you know, to be able to learn from different cultures, different rhythms, different melodies, and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, it, but are Americans, it, are, are we just closed-minded? I mean, even you have K-pop bands that come over here and they sing in English. I know, because everybody wants to take a part, you know, <laughs> everybody wants to come to America and be part of it. And, you know, I moved to America, I am a citizen, and I appreciate right. the place and the country. But all I'm saying, and I agree with you, open your mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There is so many wonderful musicians out there from all over the planet, literally, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah. many, ama I mean, amazing rhythms, amazing, amazing, amazing artists. And you know what's funny that I, I noticed that because I have, obviously, I surround by so many American musicians. When I go on iTunes, for example, or any of those platforms, it's such an easy access. Because yeah. well, you can go on YouTube now and you can really travel all over the world. You can go on YouTube and take a journey all over the planet and yeah. just check out music and check out bands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I honestly don't have an answer. That's a great that's a great question. That's a great question because there is a lot to listen. There is a lot to uh to learn from great musicians from all over the planet, but it seems like we're kind of stuck in this top forties. You know, um, yeah, it's like for a long time, you know, music was uh, okay. There is two places, New York, California, L.A., New York. Right. 
those are the places where you make music. Says who? Yeah, especially <laughs> yeah, now. You, know? I mean, you can do it anywhere. You can do it anywhere. I totally agree with you. That's a great point. Analog sound for a digital world is finally here. Sonar has transformed the original sonar sound look and feel of the 50s, 60s, and 70s drums into a contemporary concept called the Sonar Vintage Series. Complete with an updated teardrop lug design, round bearing edges for warm, deep, low-end tone, a reissue of the classic iron-shaped bass drum bracket, and exciting finishes, the Sonar Vintage Series is the obvious choice for anyone who has one eye on the past and one eye on the future. For more information, visit sonar.com. One of the other things that I I never even knew you could do this, but when you're on iTunes or Apple Music now, you can change your country on there. So from, I didn't like know a, that. I thought only when you travel. What do you mean you can change the country? So you can. So in the settings, you can put what you can change the the language, but it also. Oh, I see. Okay, but it also changes the Apple to it changes the Apple Podcast or the. Uh, the Apple Music Store to that country. So I did not see, know that. That's even better. So you'll see like all the top songs from that country and all that kind of stuff, which I didn't realize, but someone uh someone was like, hey, I left a, a review on the podcast. I said, Oh, I don't I don't see it. And they said, well, oh well right. I left it I left it in the Canadian one. And I was like, what do you mean the Canadian so I then I figured it out. I, I like, see. I was like, oh it works for podcasts, but it works for music too, which is which is really cool. So if, if someone out there is looking for a way to, you know, explore and discover new music from different countries, that's a good way to do it. That's awesome. I, yeah. I usually do it with the radio stations because mm -hmm. right when you go on Apple Music, you can go on radio stations from all over the planet. Yeah. yeah. And that's, a, I love that because you never know, you literally never know what you're going to hear. Yep. Uh, you know, always waiting to see, you know, you wait for the stream to, to kick in. <laughs> and, and it's amazing. It's yeah. really amazing. But now I, you told me something. I'm going to try it. I didn't know I can change that. Yeah, let me know how you make out with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So go back. So I, I wanted to go back to what you were saying about you, you grew up, you know, your mom's listening to Elvis Presley. You're sitting on the bed playing drums. Um, Not I, even drums, I'm, just hit the bed. Or hit, with hitting the, the bed. <laughs> right. Uh, but, I, but I'm so, I'm always so intrigued in learning what people's influences were because I think that it informs, you know, listening to the stuff that you're playing now and understanding, you know, where that, where that, some of right. that stuff came from. Again, I think another thing that was a great deal for me, a great, uh, a big part of my musical education in a very early age in Israel as a teenager, I used to play in weddings, mm -hmm. and I, f I realized many years, many years later, what an amazing and what an important experience it was. Because what happening, you're in a wedding band, you play all kind of music, mm -hmm. you play such a variety of you know, songs and styles 
And that was a big part of my journey uh, growing up to become a musician, to become actually to become a session musician. Uh, actually, this experience playing in weddings as a teenager uh, taught me so much on every kind of music. So nothing was uh, nothing was strange for me later on, right. you know. And and um, I don't know if those bands are still exist anymore. I don't know what's going on in weddings now. If people actually playing, there is live bands in weddings, or there is like just a DJ or whatever. No, there's still live. There's there's still live bands, and they're. Pr- I mean, the other side of it too is they're lucrative. Right, you know, they make a lot of money. Some of those bands, you know, you can play, you can play on a weekend and make five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks per person, playing, you know, playing a couple hours or a wedding band. Right, and and there you go. Most likely in those two hours in a wedding, you're gonna end up playing music anywhere from the '60s to 2021. Yeah, you know, and this is an experience that. Honestly, I cannot think of any other scenario or circumstances that you can play two hours and play so many different styles of music, uh, like playing in a wedding band. Yeah. You know, so that's something that, like I said, took me years later to realize. and I'm guessing you were, playing all, you were playing all. You were playing American. You know, you were playing American music. You were playing oh, you know, Israeli music. You were playing everything, right? Everything. You could play like a old Jewish Hebrew song, and then you move on to Sultans of Swings of Dire Streets. Right. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> and and I mean literally, you know. And then you you move in and you play a BG song. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, I mean, it was just everything. Yeah. You know, and as a kid, of course, oh, my God, I just want to be in an original band and I want to play. But later on, you realize, oh, wow, that was uh, that was something that definitely helped me years later. I realized just helped right. me. Right. Yeah. Because it's, it's stuck with you. You become familiar with all those styles of music. Um, you know, even those old Latin grooves, love songs that, you know, as kids, we're making jokes out of it, but play, play a bossa nova. Yeah. Play it right. You know, because there is people dancing. Yep. People are dancing and that's your job to keep them dancing. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you need to make it, you want to make sure it feels good. Yeah. Um, and 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 this is a great example that there is no doesn't matter how many rudiments you know it's not going to cover it's not <laughs> going to you know what i mean there is no substitute for you to be able to play a beat whatever this beat is and make sure people are dancing yeah yeah there is you said it you hit the nail on the head with that there's no there's no substitute for that play a bossa nova no. well i can play this paradiddle at 300 beats a minute well that doesn't work here that's great. I mean, good for you. I mean, <laughs> right. it's like, you know, uh, I wish I could play Paradiddle in 300 beats per minute, but. If what would you use is, it for? <laughs> what do you use it for? You know? Uh, it's like having a Ferrari in a parking garage. That's, <laughs> do you know what? You nailed it. That's exactly the same <laughs> word. 
And again, please, I don't want anyone out there to think for a second that I don't appreciate it or I'm telling you don't practice your rudiments and speed and all that stuff. Right. You know, it's the I tools, mean, though. It's the tools, you know. It's right. wonderful. If you can play all those rudiments, it's just going to help you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can switch when you play a bossa nova and you can switch from, you know, lead with your right hand and next 16 bars, lead with your left hand. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but this is practice. This is coordination. Those people will keep those people dancing. You're doing something right. Yeah. If they're not dancing, you're not doing, I mean, you're doing something wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and um, going back to basic in general, it's a very important thing. Yeah. I uh, that's, that's the way I look at it, you know, um, because it, it just kind of keeps you back. It brings you back to perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if, if you, if you, there is books that you studied with, or, you know, all those rudiments books that you played when you were 16 years old. It's very interesting to every now and then open this book again and play it again mm -hmm. and, and listen to yourself and see, hey, to be honest with you, I find myself and I've done it. I remember, I'm sure you know, the great, one of the greatest book, Jim Chapin, you know, yeah. the blue book. Yeah, yeah. Just an excellent, those classics. Man, and I used to practice this one <laughs> back and forth. And I used to be so comfortable because I practice it all the time. I, I used to be, I was so comfortable playing it. And I remember years later, I opened the book again. And I sat behind the drum kit and, all right, let's see what's going on. And I was shocked. <laughs> How so? I was shocked. I'm like, dude, you need to practice again. <laughs> you need to go back to basic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. I could memorize the, f I, I was trying to re-experience this smooth feel that I had when I was actually 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Playing those two pages just smoothly and easy. And all of a sudden, I'm, oh, my God. I'm, it's like bumpers every few bars, you know? And it's like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a reality check, you know? It's like, okay, mm -hmm. let's just sit back for a second and let's go back to basic and see where we at, you know? I think it's completely underrated, you know, just... Going back and like go like you said, working out of those old books, or just like sit down and try to play a groove at at fifty beats a minute and see what happens. You know? But you know why? But I, I honestly think there is no one or nothing to blame. It's because the world is moving forward so freaking fast all the time. Yeah. Because for each and every one of us, you're exposed to so much material out there all the time. So you yeah. forget. It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget to, all right, let's press pause for a second. 
And let me reopen this book from 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, I mean, you go on YouTube and you get a trillion new videos every day of some new rudiments, a new groove, a new rhythm, a new whatever. Yep. Which is wonderful. But find this balance between moving forward, but also go back to basic every now and then. It's a challenge. It's a challenge thing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's like you know. I look at it like fine. You you know, you're fine tuning yourself, and exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Did you when you were growing up? Did you always know that you were going to be a professional musician? I think so. Yeah, I know so. Yeah. To be honest, I never never questioned what I wanted to do with my life. Really. Right. I question it now, being <laughs> much older, being a father, having a family, supporting my family. Right. Um, it's it just the nature of, you know, growing up and have all these responsibilities. But definitely never had any question, what is it I want to do with my life? Right. You know, Why do you always, say that you, you second guess it now? Is it monetary or is it lifestyle? Traveling, it's a, it's a combination. It, you know what? It's a combination of everything because we, obviously, as we speak, I truly believe that this last year and in present time, you and I are get to experience an historic event, mm-hmm. if you like. Uh, if we're going to talk the pandemic, if we're going to talk in politics, if we're talking in general, Right. The the world is upside down in my eyes anyway. Uh and therefore the music business, the music in general, it's in some kind of place where very fragile. That's the yeah. way I see it. Yeah, I agree. You know, with technology, with with everything. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a chain reaction. And I guess you get to a stage where, I mean, in my stage where I'm so used to some kind of uh, consistency lifestyle or or some kind of a system, if you if you like, that mm-hmm. something really happened to us in the last year and a half or so. You know, that, that somebody came down here and sh- shake up the boat. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like. You know, all right, where where are we going? What are we doing? Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um so like I said, it's it's a combination of events and things that um I I I, I would like to think and I won't always want to be optimistic, uh, but I think the ch- the biggest challenge now is to adapt. You constantly need to adapt. Mm-hmm. to the circumstances. Right. Okay, I don't think that that's my own opinion for what I know. If you talk to someone that is the peak of his career happened in the 70s and 80s, I don't think they experienced the same thing. What something, do you mean by that? I mean that something was a bit, uh, not a bit, something was, everything was much more consistent and safe, if you like. 
Oh, then compared know. to now, you're saying? They're compared to now. Oh, sure. Yeah. And session guys were driving Rolls Royces and buying yachts, too. That, that's exactly it. You know? You, you know, it's, it's like, you know, in the 80s, you were a session guy. There were no in-between. You could either play or you couldn't. Right. There was no, it was black and white. It's like either you can deliver, can you play that song? Because I'm going to press record and this tape is going to record and you got to deliver. Right. Now it's all different story. Mm-hmm. Do you think the bar is lower for musicians now? That's uh man, I I've been so, been so many back and forth um thoughts about and, that. And the reason why I ask is I could argue that you and I could go in and play a session mm-hmm. and I could make my session sound exactly as good as yours. But mm-hmm. mine would take hours and hours of editing, and you can do it because you're near and you're good, and you you would just play it. And but again, and there is that that that's a great point because right now technology allowed us to to manipulate, right? Okay, and just so but, just so everyone's clear, what I'm saying, I'm saying yeah. that near is a far superior player than I am, but we may be able to level the, level the playing field merely because of technology, which I think is is a little bit ridiculous and and partially I, I unfair. Don't, yeah, and and you know what, for the for whoever listening to us, I don't think it's uh, I'm 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 better. I think maybe in this scenario. Maybe I'm a little bit more experienced because I do it more often and sure. for a bit longer. And I truly believe that you, if you love music and you can train yourself to be that guy that whatever instrument you play, you can deliver and play the song from top to bottom, mm-hmm. not depending on a computer not depending on portals editing or any of those uh, softwares out there. And that should be your goal. You know, at the end of the day, I think that should be your goal. When you go in to play in a studio, treat it as your very first session and your last session, meaning like you got to do the best you can possibly do without being depending on all those tricks and technologies that can make you sound completely different right. than what you just played. Mm-hmm. You know, so therefore that will keep, if this is your approach, you're just going to move forward all the time. But yes, I think that when we're listening to those records, I'm going back for a second, I'm going back, let's go you know, back to the 80s. You know, when you listen to early recordings, I mean, listen to Steve Gadd, listen to Jeff Bocaro, just to name a f- couple. I mean, mm-hmm. there's many more. This is how they played. Right. Yeah, there's no manipulation going on there. This is how they played. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, they could like maybe... Steve, Steve Gadd sounds like Steve Gadd on a record, live, or it, he sounds like Steve That's Gadd. exactly it. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, yeah, the technology at the time allowed you to punch in and punch out a section here and there. Right. But the technology didn't allow you to take his backbeat snare and move it forward or move it backward or quantize mm-hmm. everything. And, um, yeah, I think we definitely lost something. In general, mm-hmm. we definitely lost something. Right. Because I listen, and this might be, you know, I don't even know who has the answer to this, but I I listen to older records that I know are not using, you know, all this crazy technology. They're not mm-hmm. using auto-tune. They're not using all the stuff. And I'm thinking, this sounds so good. It sounds, it's it doesn't sound perfect because I don't think music can be perfect or I don't think it should be perfect, but it sounds so amazing. And now we have all this technology and it feels to me like it's just being, a lot of it is being used as a crutch. Yes, Instead but I think of, it's related. It's related to everything. I mean, you you touching a big, big uh, subject here because we talk about music, right? Look at the pictures today. Look at celebrities' pictures. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's all Photoshop and fake. I, and- I mean, I have this argument. I mean, I have two daughters that wonderful girls, which I have an eleven and a half and a sixteen and a half. And many times I want, I mean, I look at my 11 and a half year old girl, she's looking at this picture on one of those social media, looking at this woman, this man, it's, this is not what she looks like in real life. Yeah. Yep. You know, so we, we, we live in the, it's, it's like, uh, uh, there is the real world and there is the illusion layer you know, there is the fake world. Yeah. And we <laughs> That's a good it. way of, ex- of describing it. it. There's it, the real it, world and the fake world. And the fake world. It really is, you know. And, and, and I think it's related to music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and this is why, you know, when you're going to see a live music, uh, you're going to see live music. And, and again, if we talk in the mainstream, there is a reason they're running... 32 tracks running in the background because you need all those tracks, you need all those elements to play along with the live band, with the four or five people on stage mm-hmm. to deliver the experience the audience have when they're listening to the record. Okay, so in a way, it's an illusion. Right. You're looking at five people on stage. But, and but they they're not playing, playing a f- they're playing a fraction of what's actually you're hearing. They, yeah. they play twenty five percent of what actually comes from comes up comes out from the speakers, right? From the PA system. Now, again, I think we open this we open a conversation that can lead to many. I don't want to say an argument, and there is no like right or wrong. It's art, okay. And for the person at the audience, he doesn't care if he enjoys it and he likes it. He doesn't care if there is 32 tracks running off Ableton Live in the background. Right. Uh, and, 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 and therefore, again, like I, I said earlier, again, we're living in a, in a very historical time. We're going through so many changes 
so quickly right now, you know, mm -hmm. that it's really up to you as a player, as a musician, or whatever you do, it's up to you to set up the bar and be true to yourself. It's like, you know, this is how far I want to go right. with my ability to deliver, the, to perform, uh, versus, oh, whatever, I don't need to practice. I can rely on mm -hmm. technology to always make me look great, sound right. great, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's the, the, the most interesting and optimistic point is that you have a choice of whether you do you want to, one, you want to participate in that kind of music Two, you want to be the person who is like, we fix everything in post, or I just come in and nail it and you don't have to do anything. You know, you can, you control, you have control over all those things, which I think that to me is, that makes me feel good and happy and, and optimistic about the future is that there are still millions and millions of people who still want to create and listen to music that is real and authentic and engaging. Oh, 100%. And by the way, there is some cool, uh, I don't know what's the word, there is some cool electronic music. I mean, yeah, create, creating music by yourself on, on just a laptop, it's art by itself because, mm -hmm. because the laptop became another tool. Again, it's all tools. How are you... How are you going to use those tools? Yeah. Yep. What do you create with those tools? Yeah. I mean, those are the big argument when people, when DJs came out with, and they were, you know, they were scratching records. And in the beginning, people were like, oh, this isn't music and everything. But like, you look at what a lot of those DJs did in the 80s and 90s with mixing records. And I mean, that was, that was an art form. I agree. Still is an art I form. agree. I, I totally agree. I mean, and again, art is a very subjective thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, um, again, it's up to you as, as an artist to decide, okay, how much of it it's me, truly me, and how much of it is just fake. Right. You know, you're going to take a picture of yourself right now and put it online on social media. How far are you going to filter out this picture and smooth your, your, yourself and make yourself look like something that you're not even near right. <laughs> that person? Uh, it's all up to you. Mm -hmm. And so it's just an open form. It's just an open door. It's in your hands. You know, yeah, I can agree. I can I play a song? Can I play a song with a tiny drum kit, a three-piece drum kit recorded with one microphone, A to from A to Z, straight to tape, and groove it, make it feel good, or I'm gonna give it up, I give up, and I just like ah oh, whatever. Let me just yeah. play it and then I'll fix it later. Yeah. So Yeah. I that's you know. that's the best that I think that's the best message is that it's it's up to you. It's in your it's hands whether or not you want yeah. to do it. It's one hundred percent up to you. Yeah. You know. And so um, um 
we you're mentioning you know art is art and and what what you create is what you create what new what new things are you working on that you're that you're excited about and and that you're creating and putting out in the world man i've been just you know i've been working on different things in town right now uh during the pandemic thing it just a lot of the mainstream stuff uh mm-hmm. like i said did some new stuff with uh, blake shelton did some new stuff with dan and shay mm-hmm. which wonderful duo uh did some new stuff with jordan davis with michael ray with with just a lot of different local artists i've been recording a new album with my all-time friend uh he's overseas his name is ray wilson who sang with genesis at the time oh wow and, yeah, we didn't uh, even get. I mean, I know. I know, but our it's, time it's, is. Yeah, our no, time I know. Is, we gotta. Uh, tight, we're but, gonna cut it. I know. Yeah. But that's been a wonderful, um, really wonderful um, experience working together. Um, it's it's very much it's very different from what I get to do here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Those are uh, timeless, progressive five six minute songs um he sent me a song every couple of weeks you know i take my time i literally let it play in the background before mm-hmm. many times before i even sit down and start recording the the, the, the songs um uh, working with some friends in new york uh just did something for a friend in new york uh, if you remember Corey glover from yeah. living color yeah of course yes did um stuff on that project a little bit um pretty much shooting everywhere like everybody else you know because it's right now it's like week to week you Mm -hmm. know one week to another and nobody knows what's happening next month yeah you know yeah definitely nobody knows when is the next live show going to no to i i i mean i hope will happen sooner than later but i don't Think I, think I think it's coming soon. I mean, think it's coming soon. I mean, next soon-ish. summer, soonish. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not right around the corner. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So, where's the best place for people to follow along and keep up with what you got going on? Should they do the Instagram Man, thing? Or I mean, the Instagram thing. I need to be better at that. Yeah. I mean. Uh, that's yeah, man, you got to start. You got to be doing more Photoshop and you know, all uh, that. yeah, all that Photoshop <laughs> and all those uh, full video cameras, you know, clips. <laughs> um, th- this is something I'm still trying to figure it out. To be honest, I I really admire all those guys who put all those clips up there all the time. It just many times uh, there is it's a kind of catch twenty two because I do a lot of cool stuff here in my studio even in different other other you know other studios but you cannot really use the music you cannot release the music yeah <coughs> excuse me um so it, it's just so exhausted yeah, exhausting you know to like can I use it or I cannot use it and mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't so, want to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> you don't. You can't exactly. So some of it you can just kind of mute the music and leave the drums on and put like a twenty second clip or something. Right. Uh, but I got to admit it, man. I got to do more of it. And probably to follow me, it's like just Instagram, I guess. Yeah. Near near Z Music, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is few clips over there from different places, different times, but 
Well, I speak for everyone when I say that we would love to see more videos of you playing on Instagram. I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate Yeah, I need to shoot something for those guys with the concept toms. You got to yeah. hear those drums. You should. They're pretty, pretty cool sounding kit, man. Yeah. Pretty cool sounding kit. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's a different instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole feel, the whole sound, the whole vibe is different, you know? I think you should uh, set your iPhone up and play on it and put it on Instagram. Because I, I want to hear them too, so... Yeah, I will. I will. I will. I promise. Good deal. Well, Nir, uh, one, thank you so much for, for your time. I really appreciate it. This has been an amazing conversation. I, I could talk to you for I hours loved it, about man. Oh, yeah, man. I it really, was really pleasure. Real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Likewise. Of course. Oh, and Rich Redman, thanks for uh, for connecting us. Of right? course. Rich. Say hi to Rich. I will. I will. The Dear, one and only. Thank you again, man. I appreciate you, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, my friend. Talk soon, buddy. There you have it. The one, the only Mr. Near Z. And you can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 608. Also, be sure to hit Near up on social media. Let him know that you heard the podcast on here. Thank him for coming on tag me in anything on social media as well i always like to see that i always like responding and if you want to do me a favor hey why not my birthday's coming up soon uh why not leave a rating or a review you can do that on itunes it takes about a minute it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy but it also lets other people know that they should be listening to this podcast as well so you can do that on itunes again it takes about a minute and you just go in click on leave a review and then you can either give it as many stars as you like or you can actually write a review which is even better so other than that that's it so uh until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening and i'll be talking to you soon peace Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.